Hello and welcome to Project U. I'm your host, Leighton Collins. Uh, so every time we are looking at a few things, we look at careers in the widest sense. We look at um, job sectors more specifically, but most importantly, we hold up that mirror and self-reflect, look at you. Uh, there'll always be a shorter version, a couple of minutes if you only have a little bit of time to spare. This time, we're going to dive back into some skills and we're going to look at problem solving. So let's get into it. So problems, much like failure, are to be avoided, right? Uh, uh, no. Um, so just like when we started off right at the beginning of this journey with failure, um, I think we've been sold a lie on things like failure and problems. We're sold this lie that um, life and our work should be all about success, perfection, plain sailing. But much like that idea that we started with, that failure is actually a really great teacher, problems, and if you're in the midst of them, they are uncomfortable. I get that. And, you know, if you're in the middle of failure, it's not a pleasant place to be. But problems are kind of a gift. Problems are an opportunity. Um, and without them, we wouldn't grow. That sounds a bit cliched and a bit like manager talk for like, hey, you're having a terrible day. Well, you think about how much growth you could do. But actually, really think about that. So genuinely think about those very basic human levels, uh, like early humans, you know, the, the ones who were really worried about their very uh, material needs. So like things like coldness, the rain, or maybe even the sun uh, and too much heat, they lead to the development of clothing and shelter. So a problem has been solved and actually this solution is still with us in our homes and in fashion and in all the industries that go with that and all the thinking that's come from that as well. Think about the problem of hunger, uh, problem of hunger in that earliest sense of, you know, hunter gatherers and can we catch a whatever animal and kill it and skin it and whatever, or can we find enough things growing on trees and bushes that we can eat? It's led to solutions to produce food, to farm the land, to process that food that we've kind of grown and, and gathered to extend its shelf life. So without that problem of hunger or without that kind of problem of seasonal production, we never would have, would have bothered to, to form these solutions. We wouldn't have invented jam, would we? And we wouldn't have uh, pickled onions and so on. Uh, we would just have those fresh produce all the time. So you just go and pick strawberries and whether that's December or May or whatever, just have the fresh strawberry off the bush. So if you like jam, then you've got a problem to thank for that. And that problem led to the solution of food preservation, which is the jam that you get to put on your toast this morning. Um, think about another basic problem, the problem of water security. So that's led over human history to uh, engineering and solutions, irrigation, reservoirs, clean water systems, sewage systems. I'm no expert on that, but you know that things have been done by mankind to make water more accessible and cleaner. That problem has been solved and it's actually improved all our health. It's extended human life expectancy. And sadly, you, you can still look at areas of the world where they don't have access to clean water. Uh, they don't have access to enough water. And those health issues that we in the UK have kind of moved away from, for now, one hopes, um, 
they're still in the world. Those health issues, um, the fact that we expect to live much longer because we've got access to clean water, good food, and you know, no pollution and that kind of thing. But the innovation in that area, in in dealing with water, the innovation in that engineering, it's produced further thinking that's continued to develop solutions that have literally got us into space. And that sounds a bit odd. And I don't even mean like as a metaphor. Um, I went recently to the National Space Museum. It's fascinating. I'd highly recommend it. Um, And I was reading about NASA's Artemis 1 that was launched recently. And, you know, big, huge space rocket, up it goes. But water is used to dampen the sound waves that are coming out as that rocket is blasting off at at launch. Um, Because that sound could cause damage. It could cause damage to the actual system, the rocket and everything. It could cause damage to people who are nearby. And, And by nearby, I mean relatively nearby. I don't mean stood kind of watching it from the other side of the fence. So almost half a million gallons of water get kind of sprayed out in in a matter of seconds in less than a minute to dampen those sound waves so i was reading about this and and one mile away from the launch the sound was 136 decibels now if that doesn't mean anything to you and you need some context well hearing injury can occur occur at 120 decibels so we're above the point where it could damage your hearing a mile away think about what it might be doing to the actual system, even if we're not too worried about people. But the thing I really liked as I read this story, the quote that really uh, made me chuckle really, the rocket was producing 40 million times louder sound than a bowl of Rice Krispies with milk freshly poured on it. And I like the fact that some scientists has kind of found that as a comparison, but 40 million times louder than that pop, 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 pop. You can imagine that it's the kind of thing that's going to damage your hearing as a, as a kind of spectator, potentially damage the well-being of anyone who's on that rocket going up and potentially, um, and you know, really expensive and really importantly, potentially damage the actual launch itself. But you can see how the problem of how do we kind of tame water? How do we control it? How do we use it from thousands of years ago has led to this kind of ongoing technological development and and uh, solutions thousands of years later by very clever very sciencey you know engineers and so on to solve this problem so that's all very interesting space rockets and rice krispies but what about you what about me well life is one long series of problems and i don't mean that in a negative sense but life every day is full of little problems and especially your working life is full of problems as well. And as such, employers put problem solving as that kind of two word description in many of their kind of top 10 skills lists that uh, you can find and the research has been done with employers. So you need to be good at solving problems if you want to catch the eye of an employer. You need to be good at solving problems if you want to benefit your personal life. And you need to be good at solving problems if you want to get on in your professional life as well. But Problem solving isn't just solution creation, okay? So it's not just I can I can create solutions. It is bigger than that. So you need to see the bigger picture. 
I want you to take a, a couple of seconds, I'm going to play a little jingle, take a couple of seconds to think about a problem in your own life. And that could be a personal problem, it could be a professional problem, it could be something that's massive and has all of your attention at the moment, or it could just be something that's fairly small and routine. And we're going to have a look at the different stages of problem solving. So take a second. Okay, so you've started the first step of problem solving just while that little bit of music played. And that first step is analysis. So it's things like, is there a problem? Um, what is the problem? Is it easily defined? How long has this been a problem? Is it something really big, which we might need to break down? Or is it just something a bit smaller? What is the context of the problem that we're addressing? Is it something that's just involving you? Uh, are there others who are involved, others who are dependent on your solution? Are there maybe others who are part of the problem and they're causing things to escalate? Um, what's the likely cost of not doing anything at all? But equally, is there a cost or are there risks of trying to fix this problem? Is it urgent or is it a lower priority? So it's kind of like the context of the problem. We're not even thinking about a solution yet. You might be tempted to think, oh, I could do this, I could try that. But you're really looking at what is the issue? Is there an issue? Yeah, okay, well, what is it? Let's look at that from different angles and let's think. Um, and then you kind of move into the next step. So the next step still isn't producing a solution. It's about research. So is there an existing solution to this problem? I've asked you to think about something professional or personal. I have no idea what that is. But is there something that you or someone else have seen before? Is, is there something that's worked before? Um, we had a leak in our bathroom. We phoned the plumber. The plumber was brilliant. We kept his number and we'll get him to come back if there's another leaky bathroom. Problem solved. So is there something that's already um, solved a previous problem and worked just fine? Are there products, are there services that you can buy or access to deal with the problem? Are there a range of solutions already out there? And if so, again, your, your research, you think about when you're buying a new, a new product or a new phone or whatever, what are the prices? What's the um, comparisons? What are the, the kind of costs in the speed of delivery, the availability, the ease of use, any other sort of issues that might come with this? So whether the problem is something really big, like I don't know, maybe our company need to overhaul the entire web page or I need to find a new place to live or whether it's something much smaller. You know, the problem is I'm hungry. What am I going to make for my dinner? Um, there is research that can be done and this is important. The temptation is to skip these first two steps and get straight into let's get a solution. But this will inform the next steps of creating or selecting your solution as well. So that third stage is creativity. So this isn't um, this is the bit really that we think of straight away, isn't it? You know, creativity, creating a solution, solving a problem, innovative new ways to solve things, new technology, new thinking, new this, new that new everything and sometimes that's needed and sometimes there isn't there's no established 
solution at all. It is a brand new problem that you face or that the world faces or that your company faces or that your career path faces and you've not dealt with it before. But a problem like I need a new place to live, that's already got a lot of solutions that are out there. And sometimes the old solution is fine. Um, and that would be picked up in those earlier stages of thinking and researching and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, yeah, there are solutions out there and they will work just fine. Phone that plumber that we've used before, problem solved. Sometimes the old way is the old way because it's just the old way. It's the, the way that we've always done it. And there might actually be a solution that is cheaper or quicker or safer, more efficient or more ethical. Now, maybe that solution has already existed and you just weren't aware of it. Maybe that solution is something that you need to come up with in your kind of creative thinking. Maybe context has changed. So as you do that analysis, if you think about kind of professional, um, professional issues and professional problems, the old way has become less acceptable. So the, the old solution will still get the job done. It might even still be cheap and quick, but maybe we've now got health and safety standards in our industry and in our workplace and legislation that's brought that in that demands a higher standard. So we need to do something that's maybe a little bit slower, maybe a little bit more expensive because safety now trumps those two um, other aspects, for example. Maybe your consumers are no no longer happy with the the old solution you know you think about materials that we use i don't imagine if you go back in generations to the 1970s 1980s i don't think people were particularly worried about like fair trade and things like that maybe they weren't aware of cheap um sweatshop production kind of environments whereas now we're just much more kind of ethically clued up to that and we we have that sense of injustice that actually the t-shirt i'm buying for like a pound means that someone else somewhere else is suffering so the customer is kind of re is kind of forcing a, a demand for a new solution and you can think as well about kind of you know, animal testing in pharmaceuticals animal testing in cosmetics the customer has long since said now we're not having that, I'm not happy with that. You need to come up with a new solution. You can't do that anymore. So we don't need to create solutions for the sake of creation. So not every problem needs a fresh approach every time. But if we don't even reflect, then we just risk standing still. We risk stagnating. If you think back to that example of I need a new place to live, and you might think about it like this. I rent. I've always rented. I've rented before and that was fine. I'll check the rentals. I've got my budget. I'll find a place in the neighborhood. Yeah, I've rented a new place. And that's okay. You've solved the problem. You needed a place to live. You've got a place to live. But it's quite a closed thought process that didn't really dive into really defining that context and really researching the options. And through that closed thought process, you've cut off the possibility of... Um, finding out more about um, those uh, help to buy schemes that would might help you buy your own place or help you build up a deposit or something like that. That closed thought process might cut off the idea of a, a teacher who's looking for a new place to live. So they just rent another, another flat, another house. Maybe they were thinking otherwise about, hey, what if I go overseas to teach? Maybe I go and work in an international school. Maybe that international school provides my accommodation as well as my salary. 
and whether that's it for good and that's what I'm going to do with my future or whether there are plans to come back home, if you will. Um, I've managed to save up money by living almost rent free and now I can afford to get my own place that suits my needs um, much better than if I just look for that one solution. So there's a bit as we move into the next stage, there's a bit there about adaptability. Um, the old way isn't working. What do you do? You know the method or the procedure, but the results are different. They're not playing out as you would expect. Um, maybe there's a change of context. Maybe it's just one of those things. Maybe you're just like confused, like this should work. I don't get it. What do you do? And I'd suggest it's good to have had that luxury of thinking things through earlier, planning, prep, research. So in those earlier stages, you've really looked at the context and you've researched solutions A, B and C, and you've weighed everything up and you went with option A, but it's not working. So that earlier investment of thinking and planning and finding out and researching means that you can be confident in your flexibility to go, OK, now we're going to move to method B. And maybe that's in a really kind of panicky mood uh, in a kind of high pressure setting. We're going to try method B or method C if that doesn't work, rather than just having that total panic and going, why isn't it working? It's supposed to work. It's the only way. Oh, no, we're not going to solve this problem. There's an old quote, which I love uh, from Maslow, and it's around in different bits of psychology. Uh, it was also credited to some thinker called Baruch. Uh, and it is this, uh, so if all you have is a hammer, every problem looks like a nail. I think it's quite profound, but the temptation there is, I've always solved things with this solution. Therefore, this solution solves all the problems. <laughs> Do you see what I mean? You've not even looked at whether it's a nail or a screw, or whether it's not even something that's supposed to be hit into. It's about knowing your tools, knowing your problems, knowing when to stick with the old ways and when to switch or when to be creative and come up with something new. Knowing when to go down the DIY shop and say, I've not got a tool for this one, actually. Has anyone created a tool for this? That takes us into initiative. Um, so initiative is almost its own thing and employers will be looking for that. It's often mentioned, um, that employers are looking for staff who can show initiative. Um, that is more than just like, I don't want to babysit you or I don't want to have to tell you here's jobs one, two and three. That's what you need to go off and do. And you'll come back to me and ask for jobs four, five and six. It's can you think for yourself and can you think creatively? Can you weigh up that risk and cost and reward and all that sort of, you know, planning the solution to the problem and implementing the plan as well? So maybe someone else is telling you how to solve the problem and it's just not working. So can you show the initiative in the moment? Can you deal with that potentially um, evolving problem with lots of moving parts for want of um, business talk? Do you work well with others? Um, what if some of those others are part of the problem? What if some of those other people are helping you come up with the solution? Do you have that personal drive, that enthusiasm to keep going? What if you're a bit disappointed? That goes way back to when we were thinking about failure as well. You try something, it's it hasn't worked or it's not working. What do you do? So if things are going to plan, great. What if they're not going to plan? Can you work around that on the go in the moment that might be quite stressful? 
So there you go, plenty to think about. I quite like those different stages of problem solving because it's not all about the solution and it's not all about the problem. It's about a bit of everything. Plenty to think about um, through the lens of whatever your problem was that you brought to mind as well. So what stage are you at? And do you need to rewind a bit to the problem that you brought to mind when you had that bit of thinking time? Are you actually desperately trying to create a solution when maybe you need to take a step back and just analyze the context? Make some plans, um, some actual plans that will help you solve the problem. Make a backup plan and crack on ultimately and think about how you might deal with disappointment if that comes your way and you can sidestep it. A couple more things I wanted to say. So I used to work with somebody who was um, very, very positive. And <clears throat> some time ago, he said to me, look, if you're not happy, you need to do something. I've worked in places, this is what he said, I've worked in places where people are always moaning and they'll sit in this job, moan, 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 every coffee break, moaning, anything about a manager going to moan about them. Do something. And he realized that he was getting into a position where he was becoming quite negative and he didn't, I guess he didn't really enjoy his job as, him, as, as much as he used to. Um, and so he was like, I need to do something. Sat down at break one day at coffee time and he's like, I've handed my notice in. And we were like, what? Where's that come from? Wow. Where are you going next? Have you got a job? No, no job lined up. I've got no security blanket to catch me. Um, I realized I was becoming unhappy. I realized for the past few days, week or whatever, I've just been really negative and moaning. So I'm taking my own advice. I've done something. I've handed my notice in. He stopped moaning. He found a solution. And actually, he, he found a job um, elsewhere whilst he was still serving his notice. So that fear of having no job was fleeting because he knew he was doing the right thing. I quite like that story because it was that self-reflection of like a problem is on the horizon and if I let it, it's going to become even bigger and bigger. So I'm going to do something right now and I'm going to nip it in the bud and sort it out. So that's not about being told, hey, you've not got a problem. Get over yourself. Please don't think that the problem that you've brought to mind. I'm not just saying, hand your notice in and crack on. It's about that analysis and that action as well. So if you think back to, um, if you've listened to the bit where we were talking about goal setting and micro goals, which was a few episodes back, that's going to be really helpful. Break it down. If the problem is massive, it will feel really imposing on you and you'll feel like, I don't even know where to start. I cannot defeat this problem. I cannot solve it. It's too big. So the problem might be just, I'm not happy. Wow, that's that's massive. And you need to really do some thinking, look at it from different perspectives and angles, probably need to talk to some people so that you can break that down into smaller problems. It's not going to make it go away, but it is going to make it more manageable. I can't get a job. I can't even get an interview. OK, break that down even further. Have a, a think about it. My business isn't making any profit. It's really stressing me out because whatever we do just isn't getting customers it's not making sales it's not making us do what we're meant to do as a business they're far too big break it down really get stuck into that analysis stage so that that one massive problem does become a big long list of smaller problems which might feel quite daunting that well what have i done i had one problem now i've got 50 problems but you can tackle 50 small problems 
And whether that's professionally or whether that's personally, you can tackle those small problems just fine. You can't face one massive personal problem, but you can make a list, 50 smaller personal problems, tick, 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 tick. That's the two that I'm going to deal with this week. That one can wait until Christmas, whatever. But you can really put those things into context and you can deal with them head on. That problem, I just phoned someone up. That problem, I get a mate involved. That problem, I just buy that thing, whatever. So top tips on problem solving, break it down. Seriously, these giant problems will overwhelm you. So break it down into something more manageable. Really think about those stages, that analysis, that research, that creativity, and then that kind of flexibility, adaptability, um, and the initiative. And is there a time when the old ways are fine, or is it a time for creative thinking and something new? Thank you so much for listening. I'm Leighton. Um, do please, uh, as I've done a few of these now, do please uh, like me, <laughs> send a review, whatever we do on these things. Just share it, get some other people listening along as well. Uh, I'd love to hear any of your feedback. But for now, I'll see you next time. Thanks very much.